Welcome back to the Jackets Online podcast. I'm Kelly Quinlan. Joining me is our managing editor, Russell Johnson, and we're going to talk about the Georgia Tech-Florida State game. Um, maybe we'll touch on the Central Florida game coming up a little bit as well, but Russell, you were at home watching. I was there in Tallahassee. Um, I guess kind of just walk me through what it looked like on TV. I know what it looked like to me, but what did it look like to you watching it on TV? Well, I mean, it, it obviously it started out the first drive before the, the weather delay and everything. You know, it, it looked like a really good drive offensively, uh, and then the turnover came, and and then things kind of started to, to shift, and I'm sure a lot of fans' mindsets started to change, and they're like, oh, here we go again. Because, you know, the first thought that comes to a fan's mind, at least I would think, being like a professional football fan, is that, you see an interception, you're like, yeah, you know, maybe it's time to see what the backup's got, especially as, you know, highly competitive and talked about and reported on the quarterback competition was at Georgia Tech. Uh, so but then after the weather delay, uh, you know, Sims did make one more mistake. And then from there, I mean, he, he managed the game well. He made plays when he needed to. Uh, the run game got going. Mason got the touchdown. Uh, the defense really stepped up. Um, it, it, Florida State had more talent than Georgia Tech on paper, but Georgia Tech outplayed and outcoached Florida State on Saturday in Tallahassee. Yeah, I mean, I think it was um, clear that that at the end of the day, they just wanted it and they knew how to win the game. And Florida State did know how to close. Um, and Georgia Tech made plays when they needed to, right? Like, they easily could have been up, you know – another seven points um, go in that fourth quarter if they hit the field goals and the extra point that were all blocked, the two field goals and extra points. So, like, to me, the way I look at it is um, they outplayed them really from other than that first drive where Florida State marched down the field really easily. And they had another drive where they moved the ball pretty well. But, like, really other than that, it's just um, kind of a, a – interesting way to kind of look at things the defense played really well that's you know one of the maybe not the greatest offensive line they'll face all year but they also were down three starters I mean you had no no Antonius Clayton no Antoine Owens that's your five technique and your three technique um and then you were also down TK Chemezda who He's either your nose guard or also a three technique. So he's your, he was your best defensive tackle last year, probably, or close to it. So you're playing without those guys. You're playing Curtis Ryans and Jaquan Griffin. And Jaquan Griffin played a hell of a game. Like he got after it. Um, he was really impressive to me getting after James Blackman, getting in the backfield, being disruptive from the, the three technique. Um, you know, I thought uh, Jonathan Brooks played well. I thought, you know, if you look around the defense, the one guy to me who looked night and day different from a year ago, other than Curtis Ryans, who had a great game with the two sacks, was uh, Spider Sims. Like, Spider Sims looked – I was, like, watching him last year. I was like, what, what is this kid doing? Like, he looked so slow and, like, just didn't have any confidence out there. And it was night and day. I mean, he looked better in the spring, but he – really must have spent like a lot of time in the off season working to get himself up. And it was just night and day with where he was a year ago and um, happy for that kid. He's, you know, 
gone through a lot coming here and, and kind of rolling the dice and coming into a really crowded room and he's raised himself up and it'll be fascinating to see what happens when Trey Swelling comes back and you got those two guys kind of battling each other there. Zamari continues, Zamari Wall continues to be a guy that no one shows enough respect to, including me, who's the guy who's always saying people need to respect his game. Uh, you know, I, I bought into the Tobias Oliver hype. We really get to see much of him. I don't know if he was dinged or if they were just holding him back uh, in the game situation or what it was. It was mostly they played three corners. They played Zamari Miles and uh, Keenan Johnson and kind of just rolled with that. The, you know, secondary looked like, about like if I did. Uh, Tariq Carpenter got caught a couple times, but then he had a huge play in the game where he knocks that ball out of Tamari Terry's hands and just levels him, knocks himself out of the game, knocks Terry out of the game for a little bit. And, you know, they, they had those big plays when they needed to, right? They were able to get to Blackman when they needed to, you know, in the last play, you get Chico Bennett, who's a guy coming off an injury last year, played really well before he got hurt. He gets in there, disrupts the timing of the play and they can't connect on that fourth down trying to run out of their own end zone. And that's one of those plays maybe last year, they hit that play instead. They marched down the field score. And then Georgia Tech's in this weird situation at the end of the game with, you know, 20 seconds left or something trying to come back. But the defense made the plays, right? You saw what I think a lot of people were expecting from Georgia Tech's defense when you got Jeff Collins and um, getting after the quarterback, being disruptive, being aggressive on the outside, they were very aggressive with how they played the corners and safeties, given the caliber of guys that were going against. Um, I think they got in those guys' heads a little bit, hitting them. And there was a lot of pops, you know, Caleb Oliver popped some guys, Tariq popped some guys, um, you know, David Curry and Quez Jackson were mixing it up at the linebacker position. And they played like the tougher team, man. Like it just, they look tougher to me. I don't know if it looked, I, I think it came across on TV, but they look tougher. Yeah. I mean, you could tell there was a little bit more swagger too. I know that's kind of become a cliche the past few years, but they, they seem to be playing with confidence. And the more that, you know, the, as the game went on, they gained more confidence in themselves. They gained confidence in the play calling on both sides of the ball. And, and from there, you know, they, they executed. And they were executing the things that they couldn't execute last year. Like, uh, several of the passes that were completed on Saturday would not have been completed last year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how that QB thing plays out because you see the difference, right? James struggled in the intermediate passing game, so did Tobias. Lucas Johnson just was never really healthy and didn't look comfortable. So they had no intermediate passing game really last year other than a few plays. If you go back and look at it, a lot of the completions were downfield, particularly with AB uh, in the slot. Like they couldn't hit him on those crossing routes. That was, you know, all he did yesterday or on Saturday was, you know, a couple short passes and pick, moving the sticks and that kind of thing. And that gave them a little bit of breathing room uh, when the running game was getting stifled by that big defensive line at times. And that backed everyone off, right? And the, the thing that impressed me the most was uh, with the offense was Dave Patnote's play calling, which was I was very critical of last year. And I thought it was exceptional. He did a great job of getting Jeff Sims in rhythm, calling things that would get him confidence early in the game, get him rolling a little bit. And then Jeff did a tremendous job of sitting in the pocket, right? Like for his pocket feel is, is was 
unbelievably impressive to watch like how he felt the rush how long he waited to step up and let the guy kind of get himself overcommitted, get too far upfield, and then he would step up in the pocket and look like he was about to get just drilled, step sideways, get out of the way, you know, and then scrambling when he needed to scramble to pick up tough yards, not being afraid to stay inside the hashes and not running out of bounds, um, you know, being tough, following his blocks. I think he did everything you could ask for. You know, he made five really bad freshman throws in the game. Um, Two were picked off and three were dropped that could have been picked off. But as you know, aside from that, if you take those out of it, he was 24, 29 or whatever, you know, like, like he only had four other balls that were not caught that he threw other than those couple of bad ones. And that's one of those things I think will come as you get more experience, he'll calm down and not make those mistakes as much. And that's really exciting. I, I, you know, you know, I saw, Matt Stafford plays a freshman. I saw David Green of Georgia play as a freshman. I saw Tim Tebow. I saw, uh, you know, Peyton Manning play as a freshman. I saw all these guys, and very few of them play like that. Like, um, they just don't. Like, you know, I don't care who it is. You know, uh, you know, Reggie was the last guy. Reggie Ball was the last guy to really play with that kind of swagger. And Reggie's problem kind of was he got – he didn't get coached up. He'll tell you that. Like he didn't let himself or get himself coached up. And, and that sort of stalled his career up. But Jeff does not have that MO at all. Reggie even said himself, he's like, this kid's better than I was like at that age. And it's got to have tech fans excited. Like you just haven't seen this in, you know, 30 years, like a guy that has looked this good as a true freshman. It's exciting. I'm curious to see what he can do. The, the next two games because they're not playing teams that are as dynamic up front as, as Florida state in the next two games, they have UCF who didn't play this past week and then uh, hasn't played yet. And uh, Syracuse after that, who was God awful against uh, North Carolina. And so, and certainly not known as a defensive team either. So it's going to be really interesting to see how much he can carry forward um the momentum and, you know, not getting too confident either. That's something else that come, happens to kids. Sometimes they get, uh, you know, that comfort in the pocket and they start to read their press clippings and J- Jeff seemed to like be really cool about everything from even talking to him after the game, he took it all kind of in stride. And I think that's what you need. And, you know, the thing I tell people also is the quarterback race was close and Tucker Gleason was right there with him. And the fact that that was even close and the way Jeff played has to have people really excited because you have legitimate options now. You're not in this situation where you're playing miss, you know, missing pieces that don't really fit. You have Jordan Yates sitting over there who could play at a lot of schools, like, and is sitting on the bench too. So to me, like, I would be very excited right now based on what I saw if I was a tech fan. Like, there's so many um, – things to be excited about this early on in the season and you won a game that you would have lost last year um especially with the adversity that was the thing that was the killer last year they would have things happen like a temple where tobias oliver fumbles into the end zone to go up seven nothing instead they go down three nothing or whatever it was i forget what happened after that and you know those are the things that happened to them last year this they have the same almost the exact same scenario right Jeff Sim throws a bad pick down the sideline 
it towards the end zone as they've marched down the field on the opening drive. They give up the touchdown. They have the weather delay. And they come back out and kind of set their feet and, and play the rest. They have to give up a field goal. And they play them to stalemate, really, until the, the you know midway through the third quarter. So, to me, like, that's – that's tremendous growth in this team. There's a lot of buy-in right now. And Jeff, I think there were a lot of people who were on the fence about, um, you know, all of the things, like all of the stuff that he does, he does so much coach Collins with the off the field piece and the social media stuff and the talking points and those things. And um, at the end of the day, you know, people want to see results, right? We're, culture that's very much of what what have you done for me lately right so it was good to you need some of these moments right the schedule's hard this year i don't you know you still gotta play clemson they gotta play notre dame the central florida game this week's gonna be tough like this is no cakewalk so you know these wins are hard to come by and last year was a great example of that you know going three and nine and really they could have gone bowling pretty easily if they have a couple plays go their way. So to me, um, I'm excited about what I saw. I'm excited. The offense looked competent. Um, You know, watching Sunday NFL, uh, I saw a lot of plays that were, you know, I, I see the point that Jeff was trying to make about the offense being kind of a prelude to going to the NFL because they're running the same concepts that you see, watching the Chargers game or watching the, um, you know, Saints or whoever it is, like they're running similar concepts offensively to all of those teams. And that's kind of cool to see that that that's not just lip service that they're able to do that. Because last year you couldn't tell the plays were so broken all the time with the offensive line and all of that. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. It's been interesting to see that the bulk of the guys making the plays too are all guys they have back. And then you still have all these X factors, right? Jameer Gibbs didn't play. And we're all still kind of curious to see what they're going to do with him. I think it's going to be really fascinating. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that that was the, uh, that was the most talked about pregame story after the Antonius Clayton situation kind of handled itself and was reported on and figured out. Um, the, the Gibbs situation with, you know, did he travel, did he not travel? And then, he he was on the sidelines. He was warming up, and then everybody gets dressed to play, and he's wearing shorts. And, and just kind of going through that, that had to be exhausting for a fan. And, you know, I've, little old Georgia Tech syndrome comes back into play. Just I've been covering Georgia Tech for, what, on three years, two years? Uh, two plus now, yeah. Yeah. And, and you can already tell that there's like this ultimate pessimism when it, for a long time, they didn't even think it was with the, with the game against Fort State, the result. And then once it came out that he wasn't playing, obviously because he wasn't dressed, um, the, the way that the, everybody stepped up in the backfield, I mean, Smith played really well. He finally got his chance, and he made the most of it. He made some really good plays. Um, and then Mason made his plays, and, and Griffin did too. Griffin really showed some progress. He was making runs that he couldn't make last year. He was seeing lanes and having the vision that he may have not had as a true freshman last year. It's going to be interesting to see um, sort of how they bounce those guys. That's a that's a tough task for Tashard Choice, who 
you know, knows a lot about being in that competition situation clearly from his time at Oklahoma and then at Georgia Tech and then the NFL, which is the ultimate sort of uh, grinder in terms of um, depth and figuring out yourself and where you fit in. So I think he has the right pedigree to kind of keep those egos in check. I mean, they had Bruce Jordan Swilling dressed and Bruce would play at a lot of schools right now and would start. And he didn't sniff the field. Like, you know, um, I think Bruce – yeah, I'm not sure if he had his helmet on or not. I had a – there was – when I was looking at the pictures from the game, so for, uh, I guess, clarity purposes, normally um, for a road game, we use a photo service. Uh, sometimes my photographer, Blake, will travel to some games with me. Um, for this season, we have no photographers. It's all a pool of photographers. So we all get the same photos from the ACC media service. And – I was surprised. I had no idea Bruce was even there. I don't remember seeing him in the warmups or anything. And yeah, he does. I'm pulling the picture up now. He did have his helmet with him. So um, he was in the celebrating the win, which I thought was cool as a guy who, who didn't, um, didn't play, you know, like it's a, uh, it's going to be interesting that um, to see where he fits into this picture, if at all this year, if he's just hanging out, finishing school up and is going to go, explore an opportunity to play somewhere else eventually and you know with the COVID stuff if you look at you know there were a lot of guys who didn't play yesterday and there's ones that people haven't even you know kind of picked up on yet that didn't play in the game that are rotation guys or above the line guys um, on both sides of the ball that were out with various dings or because of protocols and you know it's going on man like it's a real thing Texas Tech had 60 something players out of their 125 that have had a, had a positive test this year. Like it's a, it's going to be a, a, a weird thing every week. It's why, you know, someone asked me, why don't they move James Graham? Well, what happens if, you know, you're to God forbid Jeff and Tuck and Jordan Yates get pulled even in contact tracing, you know, you need someone to play quarterback. You don't want to get in a situation where you're trotting to walk on or, trying to convert somebody or playing, you know, Jameer Gibbs or something at quarterback, like no one wants to see that. So why do you, you don't need to move those guys around. This is kind of a gimme year in a lot of ways. Like everyone's sort of eligibility is on pause. So, you know, don't move people around. There's no real need for that unless it's a guy like Tobias Oliver, where you think you're giving him a shot to play in the NFL. And if you're doing that, then that, that makes sense. But to me, like it doesn't make sense to, to just try, well, let's do this. Let's, you know, move this guy or do whatever. And, right. uh, you know, like ultimately it'll be interesting because the quarterback room, they're adding one more. So typically you would think someone's going to be gone anyways, just on the math of that. Um, yeah. With, with, you know, Chaden Perry is uh, the guy that's, you know, earmarked for the, the 21 class. So, I, you know, to me, all that stuff's interesting. Um there's a lot to be excited about, but then you turn the page and you look at central Florida and they have a pretty good team. Like they were very good last year. They're ranked in the top 25, you know, which doesn't mean a lot at this moment because no one's played, but um, you know, they've been a machine so far. Uh, You know, really a lot of credit goes to Scott Frost who kind of built that thing back up. And then Josh Heupel's 22 and four in his two years there. Um, you know, they finished last season in the top 25. They were in the top 15 the year before. Uh, the year before that, they won their 
you know, I don't want to be disparaging, but whatever you want to call it championship, um, <laughs> you know, uh, in 2017, which also featured the weird game that they didn't play against Georgia Tech and they also didn't play a game against Maine that season. Um, but ended up playing I, Austin. I didn't play that game. The Georgia Tech games, it was September 16th, 2017, and um, there was a hurricane that rolled through. It basically hit Miami and then just kind of did nothing uh, much outside of the coastal part and kind of skipped across. And what was funny about that weekend is Central, South Florida, their rival uh, in Tampa, so UCF's in Orlando. Tampa's just down the road for those who don't know the geography of Orlando is basically like dead in the middle of the state. Tampa's on the western side of on the Gulf of Mexico side. And then you have the Space Coast on the opposite side, which is like uh, where like the Cape Canaveral and all that stuff is. Right. So South Florida played that that game. They had a home game just like UCF. They played Illinois. They had one practice and beat Illinois. Uh, Central Florida, Scott Frost sent his team home. Um like on that Monday or Tuesday or whatever it was. And right as the hurricane was getting ready to hit and then they couldn't get it done. And then there was stuff about how the national guard was in their stadium or something, whatever. It was kind of a fiasco. Um, and there were a lot of accusations on the tech side about what, you know, they were just trying to duck them or something. Cause at that point they had beat, um, you know, FIU, they beat the tar out of FIU, I think, and it was maybe like their second game of the season. They had had a, buy, a weird bye or something. And um, it led to a lot of tr Twitter drama because um, I have some friends that actually work in the administration in Central Florida who are not pleased with my take on that, um, as, which was colored by some comments one of my friends who worked for Scott Frost said to me, uh, who's on that staff there. Uh, but nevertheless, anyways, uh, and there's just a lot of connections between the program. You had Georgia Leary who kind of built their program, right? And Brent Key was a key piece of that. And Jeff Collins was there briefly with them um, on staff as well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just funny because there's, you know, just a lot of connections between the two programs. The guy who was my predecessor is our Central Florida guy, uh, Brandon Helwig, who runs that site. Um, and so he know you know there's just a lot of there's always been kind of this weird uh crossover thing especially since they've gotten you know better at football towards the end of O'Leary's tenure as they moved up and they got to that fiesta bowl and all that and they've been a good program and they've been you know disrespected in a lot of ways and so when they get a chance to play a p5 team they get really up for it and they'll try to slaughter Georgia Tech like they're going to try to score you know 50 if they can or more like that's just their mo whenever they play one of these p5 teams um you know i remember uh last year i guess it was last year that uh i think it was pip beat them and like it was such a big deal that they beat them up in Heinz field and you know they lost three games last year they had one clunker they lost at tulsa but you know the other team they lost to was cincinnati it was a very good team last year so to me like it's you know, they, they don't have a lot of bad losses on their resume. They've lost, I think, five or six games in, like, the last five or six seasons. So, you know, that's nothing to joke around about. Like, they, they're a legit team. Um, 
to me, they're in a better shape in terms of just a program probably than Florida State is at the moment, not as talented. Um, there's no Marvin Wilson or, you know, Asante Samuel at Central Florida. But, no, you know, there's there's a, a lot to kind of look at. Yeah, um, I'd agree with you on that. Um, and then, you know, some of the, the most talented players they had decided to opt out too. And I think that's been uh, – that's something that I think – you know, we as a media and the the coaches, I'm sure, are, are well aware of and, and talking about and trying to find ways that they're going to be able to exploit the, the possible replacements. And, you know, while Central Florida will have the film from the Florida State game to, to use and to, you know, try to find exploits and things, you know, Georgia Tech has to go back to, to last season for UCF, which could can be a positive because, you know, they've kind of got the momentum going, you know, especially – after beating Florida State at Florida State. But at the same time, like I said, you know, UCF has the, the current film study and Florida State or Georgia Tech does not. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, you know, um, it's a, it's kind of a weird thing. Um, you know, one of the things that will be interesting to me too is they have new offensive co-coordinators. Like what are the wrinkles they put in into the – are they putting any into the offense – uh, you know, the guy that ran their offense last year, um, he is the OC at Ole Miss now. Um, blanking on the guy's name, Jeff something, Jeff Lebby yeah. or something like that. Is that his name? Yeah, Lebby. Yeah. Yeah, he's the OC now at at, uh, at Ole Miss. You know, just right. some little tweaks here. They have Randy Shannon, who Georgia Tech fans are more than familiar with. But Randy Shannon doesn't have the cats he had at Miami on defense either. And they're almost no. just – they they make it hard on you. They won most, you know, they didn't play a lot of super tight games. Um, and they didn't, well, they played some tight games. They didn't play a lot of low-scoring games. And they gave up a lot of points except for when they played someone who was terrible on offense like uh, South Florida or uh, something like, or, you know, FAMU or something last year. So it's hard to gauge kind of where they are defensively how much their roster turns over their personnel situation. And then they've had a lot of opt-outs in their program. Um, I think it might be around a dozen by this point of got people that just aren't going to play this season for them. Yeah. So including the guy that was the backup quarterback and several starters on defense or rotation guys. So to me, like that's, that's what I'm going to be kind of checking out. I'm, I'm kind of, curious to see what the plan is there from from central florida uh looking at the way the season on you know they have the film on georgia tech georgia tech doesn't on them so what are those adjustments going to be like early in the game personnel right. wise are the differences those sorts of things yeah and i think that that was something that seemed to be a lot different just this past weekend than it was last year just the adjustments in game like there you could tell there were things changed from a, a schematic standpoint throughout the game on both sides of the ball you know they were adjusting to the way that Florida State was playing up front defensively and they were adjusting to the way that James Blackman couldn't complete a pass down the field yeah it's going to be interesting to see what what these games and there's just, the games have been so weird and to me, the one other X factor in all of this is every first game has been super strange in terms of how the defenses have handled things. And, 
getting hit and how each coach has kind of handled the tackling and that aspect in this in in uh this fall camp with the pandemic and trying to be mindful about stuff so what is um what is the move for uh for you know josh heupel and his staff and like how do that those guys look when they get hit you know like what does a quarterback do when he gets hit what does a running back do when he gets hit or you know those are big moments that are going to be right off the bat in this game that could be momentum changers right if you're just not used to it, or if you're not tackling well, Georgia Tech's played an entire game, right? Jordan Mason's not going to be that plot that, you know, he's not going to be that, uh, that uh, screwed up trying to tackle, you know, run through a tackle or something right now, because he's been through a lot playing already or Jemias Griffin or Dante or Jeff Sims or whoever it is on offense. And then defensively for Georgia Tech, they have that game edge now under the belt you know, what is that, what is the difference that makes? So I'm really curious uh, to see what's going on. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a, a very interesting matchup. And you know, something that we haven't talked about yet is the recruiting aspects of all of this. And, and I mean, we could go, go in on that on another show or, or anything, but just the amount of exposure that the Georgia Tech program has had in the past 72 hours, is probably more, the most they've had in, in quite some time. I know, Jeff Collins did numerous hits on, you know, media today. And the recruits have still been talking about it. I, I talked to a kid, a 22 kid in Georgia today, who has, I think, close to 30 offers. And he, he found himself going back and watching the highlights over and over again, just because he couldn't believe the, the progression that the offensive line had made just so far in year two under Brent Key. And just hearing that from a, a 22 kid who – may not normally watch Georgia Tech on a Saturday, saying that he's already made plans on Saturday afternoon to watch them play UCF. Those are things that you wouldn't expect, you know, coming into this season had there not been this, you know, delay in the SEC, the whole snafu with the Big Ten, the Pac-12 doing whatever they do on the West Coast. Just all of the different factors weighing in have really helped them. And it'll be curious to see, especially if they keep winning, how things go when the SEC starts playing, if the Big Ten starts playing. And, I mean, Georgia Tech has a real chance to go into that Louisville game undefeated. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what what happens. I think that um, it, this is an opportunity, if Georgia Tech can somehow win this game, to really capture some momentum because the Syracuse game behind it is not going to be – the toughest game in the world, and then you have a bye week. So you have a chance to really kind of control your narrative here for the month of September, basically, and get yourself a little momentum before you get into a harder stretch of the schedule with Clemson and and Louisville on the heels of that bye. So, or Louisville, then Clemson on the heels of that bye. So I'm going to be curious to see what they do, man. Like I'm, I'm really fascinated by all this and, and, I was surprised at how well they played, uh, pleasantly surprised and really surprised by the defense, especially when I saw who was not playing. And, you know, getting told, you know, right before kickoff, hey, these four guys are all out who I was all expecting to be major contributors in the game. And um, it says a lot about the depth they built and the the, the way the programs worked. And I think – 
it says a lot about what Jeff's building and you touched on the, the, the recruit piece of it. Um, you know, I guess just kind of talk about it in general terms, you, you talked to a lot of guys on well, Saturday and Sunday, kind of what the feedback was with, you don't have to necessarily get into who said what, but just kind of right. the general vibe of it. I mean, yeah, it was, it was positive. You know, a lot of kids had talked about how they could tell that there may have been a little bit of nerves and a lot of doubt may have creeped into people's minds when, when Sims threw that first pick, but, from then on, other than the second one, you know, things things went smoothly and you could tell that there was an identity. You had an identity on offense, you had an identity on defense. And recruits see that. Recruits see wide receivers especially see the fact that you've got a quarterback who will spread the ball around. What did ten different players touch the ball? It, it, that kind of stuff really, really, really catches the attention of players. Especially when your leading receiver is still getting close to ten targets. Those are the kind of things that are really going to help. Um, and on the offensive line, as I was saying, just they were talking about the progression. They were talking about the way that they were run blocking, the way that they were pass blocking, the, the differences that there were compared to last year. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you, you had kids talking about how they want to be able to come in and compete, you know, come in and compete at, at the, on the defensive end, get to the quarterback. You know, that was a real problem last year. And, and, Ryan's really, really played well and was able to, to showcase his ability, but also the way that the scheme works. Like you saw Georgia Tech's defensive scheme work on Saturday against Florida State. Recruits saw that. They were paying attention to the fact that the, the transfer from Atlanta coming back home, Miles Sims, like there are kids in the transfer portal from Atlanta who, you know, could potentially down the road end up at Georgia Tech, things like that. There was just there was so much to gather. I think I almost got to the two pages worth of reactions, and I mean, all of the commits were pumped. I think I talked to, to all of them but one. And it's going to be interesting to see, like you know, how that momentum would change if they beat a team that's in the top fifteen, and and then kind of could somehow eke their way out to three and zero in this weird pandemic of a season. Um, that would be right you know, a huge win for Jeff Collins, regardless of even what happens the rest of the season. I think that they, the fact they went down to Florida state and, and a lot of people's eyes stole a game is, is a big plus for them. And they've been fighting it. You know, they haven't had recruits on campus. They're pr- Someone asked me this on, on jackets online um, today about the dead period. And I, I told him my honest thoughts are that the dead period is going to roll all the way through Um the dead period will roll all the way until uh, the end of the college football season. I just don't see a way that you're going to allow yeah. recruits to be on campus with all this stuff going on. Yeah. And, and sadly, I, I believe that's true. And you know, that's going to force some kids to make decisions that they may not fully be ready to make. And that's going to make, that's going to force some kids to commit side and scene. And a lot of those commitments, are going to stick. A lot of them aren't. Um, for all of this that the NCAA has kind of set themselves up for is an absolute crap show when the dead period opens up and ends and opens back up. It's going to be like the wild, wild west. There's going to be, you know, recruits flipping the day before signing day. Like the amount of TV coverage there needs to be on national signing day this year is going to be at a historic high. 
because you're going to have so many kids rethinking their decisions. You're going to have so many kids picking up offers the night before signing day because there's so much stuff shifting. Like you'll see a recruiting board shift. Like last week, a, a receiver from Ohio decided to decommit for Michigan. He's already hearing from Ohio State. He's already heard from Georgia Tech. He's already hearing from Michigan State. He's heard from so many schools. And there's going to be so much of that that goes on, whether the kid gets dropped from a school who ends up taking a local prospect. or There's just so many dynamics in, in recruiting that, I mean, there's no better time than now to be a, a member of Jackets Online. <laughs> and it's funny you say that. I think we've had – quite the influx even just off of the, the weekend with uh, how the team performed and some of the, um, the testimonials we've had. And I, I encourage people, if you are passionate about the Georgia tech, this is the place to go or the local bar or the local watering hole, you know, tailgating is going to be at a minimum. You probably should not be in a bar hanging out with people drinking because um, that tends to lead to people making a wild variety of errors, whether it was in a COVID environment or before COVID. I know I've made a lot of bad decisions in bars over my lifetime, uh, especially when I was younger. So, you know, I would advise people come where your local bar. Yes, there are people that are going to be jerks sometimes, but there's tons of people who are awesome and the majority of people are awesome. And it's an opportunity to, to learn a lot about your program and a lot of things you don't see. I, you know, on my side, covering the team, I try to get into the nitty gritty of things and find, and when people have questions about things, I tend to track down information for them to find out, you know, even if it's something in the minutia of, uh, of, you know, Georgia Tech stuff, whether we're talking about, you know, the aura rings that they wear to help them sleep at night or whatever it is, like we get into those weird topics that, that no one else gets into. And, and, and it's a lot, more uh interesting than just reading you know the the daily fish wrapper and whatever shows up on google news um and then russell's russell is the king of georgia tech recruiting man like he has it covered unlike any other and we got the scoop for you and with basketball same deal man like we have that covered lockdown uh we do a good job with basketball recruiting we just have uh everything you want. If you're a tech fan, it's, it's sort of a, a one-stop shop in a time when people, you know, have limited free, uh, that's their limited free time, but limited ability to spend money on things. I think it's worth the 10 bucks or it's eight ninety nine if you're annual uh, to, to enjoy it. We have an offer right now that's two months free. If you go on the front of the site for jackets online and uh, I, you know, very rarely do we have people not, keep those promos because they like the service so much. So I encourage people to check it out. Um, you know, I, uh, we try to always have, uh, you know, a deal going for people. And this is a time when um, we all could use some distractions in our lives, a lot of terrible things happening in the world, um, just in general across the board, regardless of your pol political stance or whatever, this affects all of us, right? We're, in this weird COVID world. Um, and there's not a person that I know that hasn't been impacted in some way, shape or form by what's going on. Um, whether it's, you know, someone getting sick or just financial or friends going through hard times or whatever it is, or going through them yourself or all of those things. So if you, you know, can 
can swing it, I, I really suggest that if you're a tech fan to check it out. Uh, you know, we try to do the best we can, trying to build it to be bigger, better, and stronger every day. We're like Jeff Collins football program. We're trying to, you know, build this thing one day at a time. And I don't need to gain 10 pounds. I probably need to lose about 30. But, you know, like it, it, it's a uh, – I guess I need to go work out with Coach Lou or something. I it, the point is that you know we we spend every day of our lives, Russell and I, working on the site. You know, even when I'm on vacation, he can tell you, or he's on vacation, we're pinging each other and still thinking about work. And it's our lives, and we've dedicated ourselves to it. And um, it, it is why it is the the best site there is for Georgia Tech athletics and the coverage of it. And we're the big bad boys in town and uh, you should come be a part of our gang. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And, you know, so it, it takes a special kind of person to enjoy the game thread and me periodically throughout the game on Saturday, I was, I was checking, I would just push refresh and it would be like 10 pages next. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, how'd I get so far behind? I think it ended up with like 14 or 1500 replies. Yeah, we're at uh, – hold on, let me see if I can find it. I was telling somebody about this today because it was just a wild game thread. Um, yeah, it was wild. It probably be like that all season. It's 34 pages and like 30,000 look views on it. Yeah. To put that in perspective for people. So – and most of those are not me because on the game I'm mostly on Twitter and then I – jump in and drop some stats and bounce out or a little bit of news, but I can't keep yeah. up with that and watch the game. So. Oh my gosh. It really, it's impossible to keep up with. Yeah. It's, but uh, it's like, a, like you said, it's like a little, it's like a bar almost because you know, you've got people making their outlandish takes when they may have had some, some to drink. And then you've got the, the designated driver kind of calming them down and telling them what it actually is. And then you've got the, the people who use stats and then, You've got people reacting and asking questions. And you've got people complaining about officials. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really, like you said, like a bar. Yeah, we, tr- we try hard to make it that way. And um, it'll be interesting to see uh, the, uh, how, how it continues to evolve and grow. And that, that's our goal, man. Like we want to make the place that everybody loves to go to. And uh, that's our goal. And, to to get bigger and stronger and add more people and add more expertise to the site and better content and constantly evolving and that's that's the end game and we're going to keep working on it and um you know i I think that's a good note to end on uh hopefully maybe we'll have time to do a, a central florida preview later in the week we'll see just depends on how crazy this week is it's always such a, a up and down thing so um russell any final thoughts no, I think I think you covered it all. I think you know, like we went how many months in between podcasts, and then we've got two in, in less than a week. Yep, we went. Might have been three months without doing one, maybe four. So yeah, yeah, I think the last one may have been the draft. There might have been one in May. Yeah, you may be right. And then but, from there, I mean, but and then just getting consistent you know we we, we want to be able to inform you want to be able to give you our opinion we want to be able to to break things down with you to give you a preview especially you know there's so much written content on the site sometimes you want to listen to it yep 
and for us sometimes we want to break from writing stuff to to do this or you know express ourselves in different ways so um for Ross Long Kelly Clemens has been the Jackets Online Podcast hope you enjoyed it